0: you played golf in college, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I did play golf in college.
0: How is golf like being the CEO of a Web3 business? I,
1: I love that question. <laughs> I, I think about this a lot, actually. And I, I think about what I do because um, I grew up, you know, from the time I was five years old to the time I was 22 in college playing golf every single day. And when you do something for that long, you really know the ins and the outs, The you know, the, the small little things that People that don't play golf don't pick up on. Um, you also know what it takes to get to the higher level, the pro level, and um, you also know if you're not good enough to get that to that level. And that's what I kind of knew playing golf. And so, what I think about a lot now is like I am trying to learn everything I can about the history of crypto, about current events, about the future of crypto, about the technology, about everything that goes into crypto, like economics, finance, um, game theory, math, computers, like knowing knowing how it all fits together similar to how your whole g- golf game fits together you need to have a good you know wedge game you have a, you need to be a good putter you need to have a good flop shot a good pitch and run like all those things i i sort of equate that to to things that i learn you know in what i'm doing now and that i don't want to just do something and be okay at it i really want to dig in know all the angles and all the aspects and then be able to come out with a good solution. So. I just I I think it mo- mainly has to do with like the preparation going into you know playing a sport like golf. It's the same sort of preparation you you go about creating a business, also, I think.
0: You're tuned to the R cast, where we talk about the blockchain on the R cast and how your data remains it's the R-Cast, where R Drive is the topic. Censorship resistant permanence. Yeah, we got it. Welcome to the RCast. This is episode 20. This week we're talking to Gabe at arcade.xyz. I linked with Gabe through one of his colleagues at the mask.io event at NFT NYC. And I started talking to them about their work in the NFT world and how Gabe took his business acumen from his generational knowledge of his family running pawn shops in El Paso And turn that into a platform for NFT liquidity. And I was really interested in their shift from ETH-based NFTs to other ones, like Arweave-based NFTs, Solana-based NFTs. So it was a good chat. This week's episode is brought to you by our friends at Gradacity. If you haven't checked out Reveries of Imitar, please do, because it's awesome. They do amazing games. Inferno's still going hot as the summer blazes on, and RNS is still popping. So stay tuned to our socials for info on that. We're on TikTok. There's an R Drive News account and an R Drive General account. So stay tuned to that. This is my interview with Gabe at arcade.xyz. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Rcast. I am here with Gabe Frank, who's the CEO of Arcade.xyz, which is the DeFi NFT lending platform. Gabe, thank you for being on the Rcast.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me, Andrew. So you are based in
0: Texas. You grew up in El Paso, is that right?
1: So I was born and raised in El Paso, and I've been here... um I lived here until I was 26, and then I moved to Palo Alto to work at a uh, crypto startup. So I'm I'm kind of all over now. I spent a lot of time in New York, um, but I've been doing nomad thing for about a year now. Um, so I'm 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 bi-coastal: New York, uh, California, the Bay Area, and then Texas, where I'm from.
0: So you come from multi-generational pawnbroking <laughs> blood like you you were saying your family has been in that industry for years do you want to talk a little bit about that and like how it influenced you
1: sure so yeah i'm a third generation pawnbroker um my grandpa his name was benny he started the one of the first pawn shops in el paso texas in 1947 and my dad grew up going to the shop with him um And so he took over the business in, I think, 1981 and expanded to about eight or nine storefront pawn shops. And so I studied finance in college and then in college and shortly after I was working full-time for my dad um, behind the desk, making loans against items and, um, and, yeah, really learning the business.
0: If you were to try to explain to your grandparents, like, the industry that you're in, like, how would you explain it to them?
1: Yeah. I mean, so there's a lot to unpack there. I usually, like when I'm talking to somebody that's older and has no idea about crypto, I just say, you know, we have a software company, right? Um, that, that's the easiest way for, for people to understand that have no clue, but yeah, basically we take scarce digital assets and we turn them into liquid assets by collateralizing them and, and making them liquid. Um, And the platform's completely non-custodial, meaning we don't even take custody of any of the NFTs or assets. Um, Unlike a pawn shop that takes custody of the item and they hold it in a back warehouse and keep it safe. And then the borrower comes and picks it back up if they pay the principal plus the interest. Um, What we're doing, it's all governed by the code. So it's all governed by the smart contracts. uh, That's the settlement and and the escrow.
0: The assets are all stored either on chain or like, like... Do you do you ensure the storage of the assets in any way, or it's just you're storing like the changes in the contract and, and the negotiations with the people you work
1: with? Yeah. So our our code, our, our smart contracts are deployed on Ethereum mainnet. So they're on the chain. Um anybody can access the code directly through etherscan. But we have a front end that we built, our app.rk.xyz, which is the front end to the decentralized protocol. Um and so basically the smart contracts live on Ethereum. So uh, they're non-sensible, they're immutable, um, they're on there forever. Um, and, uh, when somebody is interacting with the protocol, they're basically depositing their assets into our protocol and the protocol keeps the assets safe and governs the loan life cycle. So it's a trustless system, meaning you don't have to trust a human, um, for the actions on the, on, on the application to actually work.
0: That's a, a big difference then in terms of like your grandparents' industry and the advice they may have given you. Like, is there any advice though you think that things you learn specific like business techniques, way to treat customers that, that maybe you learn from your grandparents?
1: Yeah, so I mean, growing up, my grandpa used to love to tell a story about a man that would come into the pawn shop in downtown El Paso, Texas. And he would come to the desk. Um, and he would literally pop out his eye, he had a glass eye. And um, you can't you can't resell an eye, right? But the guy needed the eye because he didn't have an eye. And that was instead of wearing an eye patch, he had a fake eye. And so he needed some money. And my grandpa said, Okay, I'll just lend you five bucks. So he popped out his eye and, and he, he made a loan against a glass eye. Um, and he always would come back and, to pick it up. But that was always a funny story that my my grandpa liked like telling everybody. Just kind of shows that the the what 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 types of assets in the world people find you know valuable and and what what you can get a loan against what 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 can be made liquid um and uh yeah, I've always found that story pretty interesting.
0: That's an interesting story and also the idea that your grandpa was a compassionate person who was like, well, we can't we won't be able to resell this but let me help this dude out and like keep keep the uh business going in a way that helps someone.
1: Yeah, definitely. And he he was always um, you know, very for the people kind of guy. Um he only, you know, when when he started the shops, it was one shop that he would work in. He had some guys working with him. But um yeah, he built that that business up, then my dad took it over and it kind of became a like an El Paso staple. Like everybody knows the name Benny's Pawn Shop in El Paso when you ask them. And and when it got acquired, they kept the name as well. So they're still around.
0: That's awesome. That's the example of like great branding, right? <laughs> Where you keep the name even when when it's sold.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think most of what I know today, aside from crypto and tech, is is all you know. I've learned from my dad growing up, working with him. Also, my grandpa. My grandpa passed away when I was fourteen, so I didn't get much business sense from my grandpa, but really from my dad. And yeah, I, I learned you know what it takes to operate a business, as far as like. Um, accounting function, marketing function, banking relationships, investor relationships, how to treat a customer, a user um, customer service so things like that I really got a you know pretty good um, education actually working in the shops with my dad and seeing the interactions and how to price assets and everything that goes into running a business.
0: What was the most surprising physical thing you saw like in the pawn shop world that that you were like wow, I can't believe someone is pawning that. Does anything stand out?
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you'd be surprised what like the, the treasures people have that they're very tied to. Um, like I was working behind the desk one time and somebody brought in a lion's head, like a real lion head. Wow. Um, and I think we bought it for like 40 bucks or something. Um, so taxidermy was a big item that we, that we bought also um, another time. Some, some kid walked in with like a prosthetic leg and it wasn't his cause he had both legs. Um, and we, we didn't end up taking that. We didn't lend against it because you can't resell a prosthetic leg, right? Um, you know, some of the other things were like really big diamonds, like cool watches, um, uh, jewelry, like family heirlooms that, you know, people are not necessarily selling because they need the cash, um, but because they're trying to liquidate their assets and, you know, that's something they're willing to let go. So, yeah, I got I to see a lot of cool things, valuable stuff all the way down to like $5, $10 tools. That people actually got loans
0: against. Okay, so there's that question of like, what is worth uh, lending a loan against? And I'm sure you all have a criteria that you apply to potential NFTs, right? Like, is it is it mainly value? Is it the chain? Like, how do you determine what NFTs you loan against, or is it basically anything that has value?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really anything that has value and also has lender demand, like lender appetite. So okay. if If there's an NFT collection that you have market participants that are willing to take a risk on that asset, then we'll have a market for it. Um, So we, right now we support about 40 different collections and it's mostly the collections that have, you know, secondary bids and there's liquidity and in the event of a default, a lender can actually liquidate the asset and get their, you know, recoup their principal. Um, so we, we stick with the high value assets, but, um, starting to support more kind of lower level collections also.
0: Do you have any Solana NFTs or are we NFTs or? Mainly
1: ETH right now, just cause that's where the bulk of the value is tied up and, and, ETH ETHL1 NFTs. But right now the, the majority of the value is on ETH.
0: I w- So I was researching your background and I read something that you, you played golf in college, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I did play golf in college.
0: How is golf, like being the CEO of a web three business?
1: I, I love that question. I, I think about this a lot, actually. And I, I think about what I do, um, cause I grew up, you know, from the time I was five years old to the time I was 22 in college playing golf every single day. And when you do something for that long, you really know the ins and the outs, the, you know, the, the small little things that people that don't play golf, don't pick up on. Um, you also know what it takes to get to the higher level, the pro level. And um, you also know if you're not good enough to get that, to that level. And that's what I kind of knew playing golf. And so what I think about a lot now is like I am trying to learn everything I can about the history of crypto, about current events, about the future of crypto, about the technology, about everything that goes into crypto, like economics, finance, um, game theory, math, computers, like knowing, knowing how it all fits together, similar to how your whole g- golf game fits together. You need to have a good, you know, wedge game you have a, you need to be a good putter. You need to have a good flop shot, a good pitch and run, like all those things. I I sort of equate that to, to things that I learned, you know, in what I'm doing now and that I don't want to just do something and be okay at it. I really want to dig in, know all the angles and all the aspects and then be able to come out with a good solution. So I just, I, I think it mo- mainly has to do with like the preparation going into, you know, playing a sport like golf is the same sort of preparation. You'd, you go about creating a business, also. I think,
0: mm. and a lot of it, I imagine, playing golf is improvisational and having contingency plans when you're on the green and something unexpected happens, or there's a something out there that you didn't expect to see or weather. Right, you have to like be flexible. I imagine too.
1: Definitely, you have to be. Um, you have to be able to see all the different angles and be creative also with them, and maybe think of things that other people wouldn't think about. Um, so, so yeah, Like, like the game of life is like the game of golf. There's a lot of similarities. And so, um, yeah, it's a good analogy.
0: You went to University of Texas at El Paso, right? Yes. What were some of your other peers majoring in? Or were you mainly hanging out with people in the business world? Or did you have friends who ended up going into different businesses?
1: Yeah. So, at UTEP, I studied finance. It was the business school. Um, so, all my friends were really part of the business school. Um I had a lot of friends that ended up being like going to law school and becoming lawyers and um others that went the route of like the Big 4 accounting firms so Deloitte uh, became CPAs um no one really I think got into crypto from 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 my university
0: what was your path from Uh, studying finance at UTEP, and then getting involved in blockchain and crypto. The last 10 years have sort of led me up to what I'm doing now. Um, So I was in college, I
1: studied finance, uh, played on the golf team. And then I started working with my dad right after college. And I did that for six years. And so we were making loans on all sorts of different assets and and opening new storefronts. And um, then in 2016, um, the pawn shops actually got acquired by, by a larger chain. And so then I didn't have anything to do with my life. I I didn't know, like, I thought I'd be running the pawn shops uh, my entire life. That was like my, that was my, that was my plan. It was in my, it was in my blood. I was a third generation pawnbroker. It was a big family business. And that's what I thought I'd be doing. Um, unfortunately, we sold the business in 2016. And then I I, I was kind of, it was kind of you know, starting, starting at, at ground zero again. Like, what do I do with my life? Um, so in 2016, I, I, I threw through poker, actually, I was a big poker player. Um, I got involved in crypto, uh, Bitcoin first, read a bunch of books on the history of crypto and got very interested in it um, and kind of knew I wanted to, to work in the space. And so I spent probably six months to a year applying to different crypto startups and ended up getting lucky by getting a job at, at, a, at a startup at the time called BitGo. Um, they're a big custodian in the space. They hold you know billions in assets for hedge funds and venture funds. Um, so I got a job as an early, uh, as a uh, um, uh, entry level sales position at BitGo. And while I was at BitGo, I, I was fortunate to have a really good boss. His name is Josh Schwartz, um, who gave me the freedom to really uh, uh, showcase my skills and and move up the ranks. Um, and at BitGo, I got to meet everyone in the industry, hedge funds venture funds, exchanges, um, fintechs, banks, uh, everyone that was thinking or interested in, in crypto at an institutional level, I got to talk to and I got to learn about their businesses. And um, so that really gave me a lot of confidence to you know, know I could do something in the space. I ended up getting another job on, under underneath the same boss, Josh Schwartz, at a different startup, um, an Israeli-based startup that was also a custodian. So working with the same types of clients um, in the space and really just getting a really good of land, understanding how the different components fit together. Um, and then in 2020, I started collecting NFTs and realized that this was like, like a new asset class. Um, it was a technology that would capture a lot of this digital native IP that wasn't able to be captured before NFTs. And I thought that um, the space would continue to grow; would be massive, and there would be a huge need for liquidity on on these unique on chain assets, much like a pawn shop. Um, so it was like that combination of my experience and working at BitGo, the custodians, knowing about wallets, knowing about um, you know how these assets work. That uh, I just I knew there was an opportunity, and so I paired up um, with my my co founder at the time, Rob Massiello, and um, started talking to some guys that I'd worked with in the past and. They were all very interested at the time in, in what NFTs would become, um, and so yeah, we were able to raise money around a narrative that made sense at the time, and um, you know now the, the platform's live and um, we're still we're still going at it.
0: Having the opportunity to try something new when something that maybe been expected growing up taking over the pawn shops, what didn't wasn't the right move, and you're able to get into. A new business, be a leader in a creative way, connect all your different skills and connections. And uh, it's awesome, Gabe. Well, it's, I really appreciate you uh, making time to be on the Rcast and talking about your journey and some of your Advice. Um, if anyone listening wants to get involved or learn more about Arcade.xyz, like, what's a great entry point? Just going to the site, maybe, or what would you recommend?
1: Yeah, go to Arcade.xyz. I'm on Twitter. I spend a lot of time on Twitter. That's where a lot of alpha and crypto lives. So you can find me at Stanley Krupp. I got a blue punk, uh, a blue bandana punk as my profile picture. Um, also, if they want to email me, Gabe at Arcade.xyz. And yeah,
0: well, awesome. Well, thank you for being on the Rcast and we'll keep everyone updated on all your projects. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, Gabe. Those were some great stories. And I love the one about the eyeball and your grandpa. Sounds like you come from a great family. Uh, Thanks for making time to talk. We'll be back next week. I hope everyone's summer's going well. Thanks for listening to the Rcast. I'm Andrew and know before you stow. See you soon.